Boxeo is back in the building. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Sweet Science Edition, ready to invade your personal space and challenge your inhibitions with another dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell is, in fact, the voice that you hear just about ready to tag in Big Red. And in the immortal words of Tim Lane, let that big ginger out of the cage. But I still got him in the cage. He listens to me very well. I'm going to let him loose another we will recap the week that was in Boxeo, preview a stacked weekend ahead of fights, and sit down with unbeaten WBC heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder for a bomb squad interview that you simply won't want to miss. Rafe and I will be talking superflies, Euro light heavies, maybe even F around and talk some cruiserweights if we got the time. Look, bros, either way, we going to pod how we want to pod. I'm a single guy. We're in 2013, bro. I can live how I want and nobody can judge that. As a matter of fact, I live how most guys want to live anyway. So I, you're not going to knock me for living that way. Look, like Paulie said, guys, it's 2013 and times have changed. Athletes sleep with a lot of women. It's 2013. That's what we do. It's what we do, all right? But let me conclude with the jokes and pleasantries and get right to the business of bringing in my mainest of main men. He's an internationally renowned editor, author, Filipino broadcaster, and the protector of all things cruiserweights. Cruising was made for box. Respect was made for box. I love it when we're cruising together. Oh, Rafe yeah, Bugs, yeah. Rafe Bartholomew Ooh. from the left coast with love. How the heck are you? Doing good, man. Yo, I think we should just keep going. See if we can go like a full 50 minutes or an hour with by saying like five words and then dropping in Pauly sound bites and then you know just see how long we can keep that streak going. Well, you sent me down this dark rabbit hole reliving the uh, Pauly Broner feud from 2013. I beat Pauly. I left with his belt and his girl. I mean, there's some dark there's some dark roads that they went, Rafe, to provide us entertainment. And unfortunately, I've got many of them on soundbite right now. I mean, I got Pauly, Pauly, Um, Yeah, uh, I, I, my favorite part of that whole affair, which I, I was rightly criticized for, for dragging boxing to new lows, um, was just watching the older generation of boxing scribes uh, try <laughs> to learn the difference between a, uh, a side piece and other <laughs> forms of, of relations. Uh, and they're like, you know, Polly being just so upset by the writers who referred to um, the woman in question as a girlfriend versus other forms of nomenclature. The taxonomy discussion that that came out of that was was really something to behold. Oh, yeah. Look, it, got, it just got... I got more girls than Adrian Bonus got hairs on his head, okay? I've been with more girls. Yeah. I got more... I've been with more girls than the whole band camp's been put together. If you combine all the girls band camp's been with, I've been with more of them put together. Okay? Bro camp. Bro camp. Yeah, it just got bad and I love Paulie was like calling out the media for writing stories about the side piece. Broner brought her up on the stuff. But we got to get out. Let's get away from this. But it probably did drop this gem that's long forgotten that you did shout me out with. They got everybody that's wrong with boxing together in one room. Did everything that's wrong with boxing in that room and gave birth to Adrian Broner. That's what's going on right now. Yeah, that's what went on back in 2013, Rafe. Speak the truth. I mean, look, uh, I had other sound bites planned, not to play every sound bite on the board, but uh, I don't want to catch you off guard or embarrass you, but I was listening to that interview you sent me of the great Billy Joe Saunders and discovered a very important question that I think needs to be asked of you. But you got Trav Vernier in you. Perhaps. You've had Trav Vernier, obviously. Oh, a, you know. No, but listen, you've had Trav Vernier in you. 
I'm not answering these questions. Well, listen, I'm asking. Have you had, you've, had, you've had a bit of Traveller inside you, obviously. Rafe, have you had Traveller in your in your by any chance? Or we can can we just? I'm not answering that question, Brian. All right, all right, moving on. Rafe, we got a lot to talk about on the show, and it begins with a weekend recap, and it begins with Superfly 2 from Inglewood up to no good. Rafe, this was one heck of a card in the end. I don't know if it lived up to Superfly 1, but it brought the heat, and the main event was really the, the crowning jewel. Sisaket Sorungvasai continuing this impossible journey to a majority decision victory over Juan Francisco Estrada in one heck of a fight that was part-time brawl, part-time kind of interesting chess match. I thought the judges actually got it right in the end, even though Francisco Estrada really won, really made that great run in the end. What's your take on this one? Yeah, it was a great fight. And and first of all, I, my take is that I sort of, I don't, oh, I don't think, you know, Srisa Ketsua Rungvisai gives a damn, uh, but I, in, on some karmic level, I owe him a, an, a, an apology for doubting the man. You know, I, I kind of, I thought coming into this fight that he caught Chocolatito at the right weight at the right time in his career and basically, you know, got the easy pickings of what was left. Obviously, I, that was, that, that could really not have been more wrong. Um, that like Sarungasai is the real deal. Um, and, uh, I think he deserved to win this fight. It was close, but he really did. I mean, they were, they were parts of the, the, the whole middle rounds of the fight. He really, he really controlled and, and, uh, and took over for, for long stretches. He did. I mean, you get, it's like he doesn't have as polished a style as some of these other top superflies. But man, like he hits hard. No soundbite needed on that one. That tie guy. And uh, and this guy Lampley even pointing out how big this guy's calves are. Yet he's wearing these like Keith Van Horn socks. Elliot, on. Yo, uh, yeah, Keith Van Horn. That the Elliot Perry uh, like like uh, knee highs. Were like, classic. but it's even longer than these are like Michael Cooper level that you could like if you pulled them up all the way they would go like up into his package. Like these are really. He's going to need garters for them soon. They're huh? incredible. I, look, I said overall. I like the scorecard. I didn't like the 117-111. I thought that was a little bit wide, but one judge had it even. I thought Estrada really made that run in the end, but look, look, overall. Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. Well, they got it right on this one, as they did also, I thought, in the co-main event. We'll get to a second, but I don't know how you can do anything but just revel in who Sor Rungvisai is. Now the stories are coming out that he like ate, literally ate out of the trash to, to, you know, to, to, as a younger man to, to keep himself to keep his career going, to keep his life going. I mean, this guy's come, you know, a long way, started fighting in, in his teens. And to get to this point, to put those two victories against Chocolatito, to beat really the, the other best guy in this division, there's no magical formula for how he does it. He's tough. You can't get him out of there. He doesn't go away. And even in points of this fight where Estrada started to figure him out, use that length, make it more of a boxing match, you saw Rungvisai just really figure out how to close that distance, and it it wasn't just Neanderthal. I mean, there was there was some style and substance to what he did in there, and it produced such a beautiful fight. Yeah, and, and it helps that that Sorungvisai is so is such a strong guy at this weight. I mean, he really he looked unfazed by just about everything that he got hit with, and and it was clean. It, he got he, he he got you know Estrada tagged him with some clean shots, the kind of straight rights that put. Quadras down in their last fight at Superfly One, and you know, back the most you saw in terms of a reaction from Sarungvisai was you know a step backwards before you know revving up the engine and and you know getting back on track. 
And I think, you know, Estrada started off in a tough spot because he realized in those first few rounds he wasn't going to be able to really hurt Sorongo Like, Like, he wasn't going to be able to wobble him. He wasn't going to be able to put him in trouble. I did like the way Estrada, it took him a while to bounce back and adjust, but he did make the adjustment. You got to give him that credit. It was a little bit late, but he adjusted enough to make it a fun fight. And, Rafe, the crowning jewel was that 12th round. I mean, that's, you know, going to be in your round of the year final discussion. It, it it got a little bit sloppy at times as they kind of sort of wobbled each other, but it was Estrada really going for that brass ring and trying to steal a backdoor victory, and it was both guys just digging in. And and I mean, oh man, that was some man stuff in there. Yeah, I mean, I you know, it, they the guys were so tough and sort of no you know sort of no sold the the big punches they were landing on each other to the point that you you did you did not have those Emmanuel Stewart moments, the, oh my God, because they were just, they didn't appear to be hurting each other on that level. But that, that just speaks to the strength of the fighters and the, the poker faces that they're able to maintain while, while taking that kind of punishment. Look at this. Uh, no question about it. I mean, this guy, Sorungafa, is now having sort of this Carlos Baldomero like fairy tale story, right? Where he goes from like oh, selling God. feather dusters Jesus, on the side Jesus, of the road. Man, you're going to put, don't put that evil on him, Ricky <laughs> Bobby. Man, Carlos Baldomero. Look, he, rough. Had the, I mean, he had the heartwarming story of selling feather dusters in a garage to <laughs> fighting Floyd Mayweather in a pay per view and being the 20, 2004 fighter of the year. I mean, that's an impossible journey right there. Really, That's I true, mean, but he was also garbage. Garbage. Well, come on. He, he, took, he took that from, from Zab. He sent Gotti to the deep darks of hell. I mean, I don't take that year away from him. He had, he had a good run right there, right? He, he, he robbed Z- Judah of a chance of getting Mayweather, and he got him anyway. So it's like, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that really – when we talk about bad – pay-per-view fights we talk about canelo chavez jr we don't talk enough about floyd baldemir as just being a, a really really i'm really, glad that really... we don't talk too much about floyd baldemir was that pink gloves for floyd and he came in on like I a... that, yeah i remember the pink gloves from now yeah, on that's just a bad memory altogether but look this is a great fight i want to see it again rafe and i think that that's that might be the best avenue for them to go at this point because estrada was so competitive and he was so competitive against chocolatito and he already beat carlos quadras do you think we need to run this back right away i would prefer that i think that's one of the better options um i like that better probably than than uh giving than something like you know sarung visai mcwilliams arroyo even though he looked great in beating quadras on the on on, in the co-main on saturday night um but this both of these guys just you know they seem like the two best at 115 pounds right now um and the only thing that could sort of move me off of that corner uh, would be if they could make, you know, if, if uh, after this fight, Naya Inoue wants to come back down to 115 to try and fight uh, Sorung Visai, uh, or if Sorung Visai wanted to go up to 118 and challenge him there. Uh, if they could make that, I'm, I think I might want to, I might want to just, you know, see something different. And, and also that would be like these two guys who basically look borderline indestructible at 115, at least in terms of their, their punch resistance and their just, brute strength at that level plus and and who fight obviously at a very high skill level um to see sort of who breaks under that pressure who is who's who's made of the stronger iron uh in that um would be pretty cool no no question about it and you know carlos quadras losing that majority decision to mcwilliams arroyo in in a fun fight unto itself 10 rounds that takes him out of the discussion of that storybook of him having already beaten sorung visai of running that back so 
if you don't, if you can't get Inui to come down, then do that rematch. And the key question coming out of this is, what do we do with Sorung Visai now from a pound for pound perspective? Because a lot of people like me were hesitant last year. We're like, is Chocolatito washed? Does this mean, you know, Sri Saket's automatically in the top 10 just because he beat the guy and, and then beat him twice and beat him destructively? Or do I need to see more? I don't think we need to see more anymore, Rafe, because this victory over Estrada in a great fight, you really, I think, have to have him in that, five to ten bracket right of the best in the world what else does he need to do no absolutely i mean you have especially with after after what i think is a deserved you know win over estrada estrada's been a guy who ever since the close loss to chocolatito and you saw him run through all those other guys at 108 and 112 in the years since then where he's beating like you know good like the giovanni seguras the hernan marquez is the, the guys who are not great but were good you know he had quality wins there and he and he was steady right there at the back end of the top 10 so now sarangasai has a win over him there's no, there's really no reason that he doesn't belong like you said in that back half of the top 10 of the power pound list absolutely and in that co-main event rafe you got to give Mick Williams a royal credit. He's of, of the Arroyo twins with Mick Joe. He was the lesser quality one, had already had three, four losses under his belt, was considered more of a journeyman, doesn't have a big punch, all those things against him. Do you know what he did? He came out and fought an action style against Quadras, seemed to overwhelm him, seemed to hurt Quadras at times in the beginning. And then, again, he gets the majority decision victory, and I thought it was well-deserved. I can play the poly bite again. Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. At least some people, because that was a strong, well-deserved victory, and the only other highlight was Jim Lampley mentoring Quadris' uh, back knee, right? You know, someone had to bring it up. Uh, as the as uh, the, the British uh, – I heard once on a British podcast about Quadras, his back is a little spotty. <laughs> it may have been Max. Actually, it was Max who brought that up, right? And Lamps ah, sort of – Lamps was like, I don't know really what to do with this. You know, Lamps really <laughs> hesitated in terms of response there. But tough break for Quadras when he had – he had he had an avenue to get a big fight off of this. He'll probably retool and come back. I'd like to see Arroyo again, no question about it. Did you have any takeaways from Dani Nietes knocking out Juan Carlos Rebeco in the opener? Well, he looked very good. Um, he's got a weird style in that you know he he's while Nietes is winning fights, he's not always looking that that exciting. You know, he's just sort of just better than the guy in front of him. And then all of a sudden that was amazing. Like the, the, the really, you know, he landed that, that straight right at the end of the sixth round that had, that, that had Rebecca like stumbling over to the, the rope somewhere. Um, and his corner man had to come <laughs> retrieve him. Uh, and then, you know, and then, and then the knockout in the seventh, um, you know, I, I think that I'd, I definitely want to see Nietes on, say, the like a Superfly three card if that comes. Whether or not he goes up to one fifteen or stays at one twelve, you know, why Chocolatito is talking about coming back. Why not let Chocolatito fight at one twelve against Nietes, assuming he's comfortable with the weight? Um, where you know, obviously Chocolatito had looked better at one twelve when he fought there. Um, that's that that makes sense to me. Those are two guys who, you know, really were on opposite sides of the world dominating those divisions for for years. I mean, 14 years it's been since done, done you know, Donnie Nietes is, is left. And the other thing I love from that fight was when they talked to when they did the little the short feature on him or whatever in between rounds. And he and Nietes is talking about. Uh, you know, his pythons, he's like, oh, they only bit me seven times, but it's okay. They're pythons. They have no poison. And he's like, I wanted to bring them for this, but I couldn't get them visas. And I was like, what is the visa process for, uh, for two Burmese pythons from the Philippines? It can't be easy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Pinoy Thunder coming out of, uh, Donnie Nietes there. Great stuff altogether. Victory for HBO. Look, they're cornering the market on some of these, uh, 
smaller, you know, lesser, lesser yeah. salary fights I'll, to save money. And this was a victory. Will they overplay the Superfly idea though? Or can they kind of, you know what I mean? Can they overplay their hand on here? Or, or, or is this a formula to keep loading up these cards? Do we have enough matches to keep making? You, of course, they, it's possible to overplay it. Um, but it seems unlikely. I don't think they're anywhere near that point yet. And also you mentioned saving money. God, did you see the, I mean, I felt, kind of guilty looking at the purse breakdown from that fight where the highest paid guy on the card was Sarang Visai getting 250 grand, which is good money. But Quadras and Arroyo fought for 25 grand each. Uh, uh, I mean, the entire card, I, I believe, cost almost the same or maybe even a little less than what Brandon Rios made to get his head knocked off by Danny Garcia a week ago. I mean, that is crazy. And it is very smart business by HBO, but Shoot, life ain't fair. No, I mean, you um, know what Andre Ward said. I think boxing is, is, is a is a beautifully ugly sport, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we love it, but there's so there's some beautiful holes to this uh, ugliness in here. And that's but there's I mean. definitely enough, uh, you know, enough juice there for a Superfly three. I mean, you got that that uh the the other one of the other champions at 112 the japanese uh, knockout artist Daigo Higa um who beat Moises Fuentes a couple weeks ago uh he's got kind of almost like an Edwin Valeros hope well uh, hopefully not all the way Valero but um you know at least in terms of a lot of early knockouts um <laughs> early in his career he's looking <laughs> I mean, come on, come on, and he bro. also has those weird like. Have you seen this guy Daigo Higa? He he's like he carries himself like a tiny little model. It's very funny. Um, he's a he's a he talk. You know, we heard Carlos Quadras say he's very strong, very fast, and very handsome. Well, this guy might have him beat. Uh, you know, we have to take a look at his back to to get the the the, the confirmation <laughs> there. But um, you know, that's a guy who could who they could. Work into these cards um, uh, as an opponent for Don Inietes, perhaps they could do a unification um, or whoever. You know, there, there's enough guys. There's these 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 divisions are deep with talent, and that's sort. So so if you're going to do like a long running series, this is a pretty smart place to do it at. Yeah, this is the type of uh, the Superflies seem like they'll they'll kind of just produce material that's perfect for the Respect Box newsletter. I mean, this is just you know this is too good to be true. This is a gold mine. I think when they do it, the third one, bring Chocolatito back. Look, I wouldn't mind him against McWilliams Arroyo. He already defeated him, and that and run it back. And basically, whoever wins that can get back into the discussion of fighting Estrada or Sarung Visay if they don't fight each other again. Moving on from there, Rafe, we saw the semifinal, the other semifinal of the World Boxing Super Series Schaefer Special Super Middleweight, and it was Callum Smith outpointing late replacement. Nikki Holskin, the glory kickboxer, and from your perspective, Rafe, possible uh, Euro DJ. He kind of had that. Uh, well, going, I mean, right? you look at—he he showed up at some of the some of the the pre-fight events with like bad gauge earrings. He's got all the tats, tons of gel, more gel in his hair than Brian Campbell. Um, oh come on! He he really had the look going, uh, and yes, he did look like a, a kind of like like he like he spins a, a, at Rotterdam clubs, you know, and that's cool, good for him, you know. But pump that techno! The guy had a motor on him. He was tough. He was hit, hit, freaking tough, man. I don't know if that's a kickboxing thing, but good God, like he just walked through everything. It wasn't very good, but uh, it, you know, he also he never really let Callum Smith off the hook, and and even though he he got outclassed. You, you kind of came out of that fight being like, well, props to Nikki Holtzkin, especially the way he left afterwards, where he's getting the he's getting interviewed and he's like, 
I expect it to be heavier. You know, it's just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. He was talking a lot of junk that he thinks he can win a rematch, even though he basically got shut out. But yeah, I mean, these kickboxers, they, you know, they got to walk through hell to, to, to win in that sport. It's much more, the knockout percentage is much higher, much more dangerous than, than even MMA and boxing. And why uh, we see now Smith advancing to the finals, hopefully against George Groves, but he's going to have shoulder surgery. Hopefully Richard Schaefer and wherever that money is coming from, they can do the right thing. But look, even me, I'm only going to care so much about Groves, Callum Smith to begin with. I'm not going to care if they bring in a late replacement. I'm sorry, Rafe. That's just the way it is. Look, this, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, yeah, you know, I, you know it's, it's a, I, our, our friends in the UK will get very excited over that um, because it is yet another big British super middleweight fight. And, uh, it'll, you know, it's finally a fight where we'll kind of see what Callum Smith is made of, right? I mean, he's been this prospect that people have been sort of excited about for a long time. Maybe his, his rep has been a little bit, you know, on the decline just when he hasn't looked as spectacular over the past couple of years. Still undefeated. Obviously, you know, uh, a, a guy who knows how to box with a great, with a very good jab. Um, probably when he fights Groves, it's going to be a little bit boring because they're just going to be, you know, jabbing each other and uh and someone will have to win but um but hey you know enjoy that out there have a have a few pints of warm warm ale or whatever the hell you drink and uh and cheers to that i will be watching the cruiserweights a little more intently you think if he stays unbeaten long enough one of these days uh canelo will send him to hell like he did to his brother liam or i mean that's probably one weight class too high he's like a foot taller than canelo yeah he's like six three yeah doesn't i mean that just probably means more places for canelo to like break his ribs but yeah all right right to close out the weekend a little bit of washed update for you cornflake lamana fought to a 10-round draw an ac against gabriel tito bracero that's all i'm gonna say about that shout out to cornflake and something we missed last week in the preview 40 year old lenny bowtie with his quasi nazi tattoos gets sent to hell via tko7 by maxime bossari in france rafe did this move you at all of course, man. I mean, like my entire for years, I've been waiting for the Bowtie Charlo rematch, yeah. and like this. The, now we're gonna—he's forty already. I don't know if he'll be able to get back to that level, you know. Did PBC I mean, get him? He's gonna—it's gotta be the shoes, bro. Oh wow, with those low top tennis shoes. Can PBC just get him into the circuit and be an opponent for all the other wash welters? When we make he, this. I, he, Get it, let him fight VO. That'll be fun. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Get him in here with all these other wash dudes. You know, maybe Berto can find the harvest against him. Rafe, we got a little bit of news before we throw it over to big Deontay Wilder. I don't know if you saw this. Amir Khan spoke to Radio Rahim of Boxing Scene. Come on, Amir. Stop doing this to yourself. He says, quote, Spence is ideal. I have a 100% record with Southpaw's exclamation point. Rafe, I know this guy lives to try to clean up the 147 division. But come on, guy. <laughs> come on, bro. Yeah, the, uh, I, so, for some, you know, some boxers pull off the, the delusional act in a charming way. Amir Khan has never really had that down. Every time he starts spouting off about stuff that is just ridiculous, um, you know, you just want to be like, shake him and be like, shut up, man. Just shut, shut up. Stop it. Stop that. Um, what are you going to say? He's, he, he's wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, well, just like, shut up. And then shut up. Shut up. I'm talking. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah. I mean, come on, bro. Right. Who, who else? Uh, who? So I was trying to think, who are the Southpaws? With Devin? 
I, that's probably worth checking out for a second. There, he's one and zero. Oh. <laughs> he did outpoint Devin and, and held him off in 2014. I was there. Uh, it was the, the Lenny Bowtie night. Who's gonna forget that? Uh, Algeri's not a southpaw, right? No, no, he's a he's a straight on. Uh, Luis Colazzo, he took a decision from, although he got right. rocked a bit late. Uh, looking up and down, Zab Judah, he knocked him out with that questionable body shot. I don't know if Paul McCloskey was a southpaw, but. Uh, that was the only other southpaws yeah, jumping I out. Yeah, I mean, you know, he could also have said, "I have a 100% record with washed fighters." With you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that he that could have applied just as well. Anyway, um, let him. Yeah, that's a, that's fun. If Spence has to sort of wait for Keith Thurman and the rest of the uh, the the actual world class welterweights or like top of the division welterweights, um, stop. Uh, you know, take their thumbs out of their rear ends and get ready to fight him. If he get, if 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 he wants to knock out um, Amir Khan in that time, uh, he has my blessing. You know that that is not the worst, least fun thing to watch. Uh, if Spence kind of is in a little bit of a holding pattern for well, a year, year and a half. He's with Eddie now. He's gonna fight that stripper Phil O'Greco coming up, and then hopefully we build toward, of course, Khan. Kel Brook and Kel Brook told the Daily Star this week that quote me versus Khan is like Mayweather Pacquiao. But in Britain, man, what the heck are they drinking over there? Like, come on. I mean, just like I, four years Kel, ago, maybe. But yeah. Come on. Enough for that. Jeez, Kel, that's rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just... I, I, you know, you, you just you just insulted your whole country. Like if that is the if that is the super fight that that, you, you know, your entire nation has been waiting for for five years. Um you know, you, that, you just feel bad for that. You got to relax, bro. Yo, 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 relax, relax, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, come on, come on, bro. Former middleweight title holder Andy Lee officially retired at 33, Rafe. Uh, not a surprise because he'd been inactive of late. It's an interesting career, though, because we remembered Andy Lee being the prized prospect of Emmanuel Stewart, living in his house, like almost becoming a son to him, being this lefty Irish middleweight with huge power. Then he became this somewhat underachieving guy who could save himself late in fights with dramatic knockouts, but always on the verge of getting sent to hell. And then he won a world title. So you look at his career, always a great quote, always a nice guy. One of these guys that really represented boxing. Well, I guess at 33, I'm happy he walks away now rather than, you know, in a really bad spot when it's too late, just two fights removed from losing his title to Billy Joe Saunders and that majority decision, but didn't go out getting sent to hell three, four times. So, Look, like when John Duddy walked away early, relatively early, it seems like a good move. Yeah, I, you know, can, it, it makes sense. He'd been in, he'd been inactive. Uh, I think he'd reached, you know, sort of as high as he was going to go. So good for him. And I hope you, you know, just you know, hold on to that money and uh, enjoy life. I, some, I think I heard our friends on the HBO boxing podcast saying he lives somewhere in the South of France. That sounds nice. So cool. Good for him. I mean, he's given us some fun comeback KOs against John Jackson, Matt Korobov to win the title. He had that, you know, that really fun draw with Peter Quillen. Now it was boring most of the time, but when they threw against each other in Brooklyn that time, that was a pretty fun title fight. And you and I, I think, are never going to forget when I don't you know you weren't there, but when he rallied to beat Craig, Craig McEwen in that Celtic Thunder fight they had on the Sergio Martinez Sergey Zinzuruk undercard, the first fight card I ever covered in person. I'll never forget. Hashtag Rafe. Moving on. Andre Ward on that said HBO broadcast said, and I quote, "Never say never." In response to Max Kellerman bringing up. Sergey Kovalev's interest in a trilogy fight. Rafe, are you moved by this, or are you like, whatever, bro? I am not moved at all, man. Like the like, I I I I like 
both Andre Ward and Sergey Kovalev a lot. I also think they are both, you know, excellent, uh, perhaps great in Kovalev's case to actually very great in Ward's case fighters. And the only time I don't like them is when they're talking about each other. So just move on. All right. Like, I don't want to hear Andre Ward crow about his victories. Good for him. Move on. Like you're like whether you're retired or not, just stop, stop, stop. And Kovalev, I don't know how much Kovalev brings it up on his own, but every time, you know, he has news conferences, he ends up talking about it. And I don't, I, I understand, like, you know, he has to say something if somebody asks him about it, or and I'm sure he still thinks he he has some legitimate gripes, but none. It just never sounds good. It plays poorly for all guys. Don't do it. Stop that crap! Stop it! Uh, I look. Ward's coming back. We all know he's coming back. He's basically just doing what Andre Ward regularly does, which is take a year to two years off between fights. He can't stop talking about it. If he does come back, Rafe, I want nothing to do with Tony Bellew or heavyweight. I'd rather him make real fights in this division, whether that's against Badu Jack, Adonis Stevenson, or look, I'm not going to hate a trilogy fight against Kovalev as long as it's not on pay per view. Not like I would buy it anyway, but so I'm not trying to fight that battle. But I'm just saying, if they can get that off pay per view and Ward can take realistic money, and if they actually did that, like let's say on HBO where he works, Ward Kovalev 3 still an interesting fight to me when you consider some of the controversy. And Ward called out Kovalev at late Saturday night to Radio Rahum, Rahim and said, quote, everything is documented. Go back and look at all of the excuses. It's embarrassing to me taking myself out of the equation. If I promoted Kovalev or I was a fan of him, this is no respect to the dude, but you have to grow up and own what happened. I got to agree with Ward in that regard, Rafe, and their little back and forth. Kovalev has handed these two losses horribly in terms of the you know publicly always blaming something. I'd like to see a third fight. I'd like to get some real closure that doesn't involve hitting below the bag or a, a corrupted decision, you know, which I still don't think was corrupted or controversial, but that's just the way that went. Well, it can be com- it can be controversial without being corrupted. I don't think there's anything corrupt about Kovalev losing in the first fight by decision. I, it, most people just disagree, and it was a close enough fight to go either way. Yeah, no doubt about it. But Ward against the top guys in light heavy would still move me. I like Absolutely. I, I, he, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Drop to interrupt you, but uh, go ahead. Just, just drop it on me. Drop it on my head. Come on, that, uh, you know I'd like to see that. It's a good. It's a the division has gotten really strong. And yes, I, but Ward looks like if he, when, if and when he comes back, it's going to be for these event fights, right? It's going to be Bellew. It's going to be like, you know, some very carefully selected heavyweight, uh, that he can get that win at heavyweight over and, and sort of be, you know, make some, some Roy Jones Jr. type claims. Um, that sucks. I don't like it, but I, it's hard to imagine anything else happening there. It's also hard not to imagine him coming back on BET against, like, you know, someone we never heard of. And the plasterer for the local council. <laughs> You're like, get that guy up in the bullpen, because unfortunately we're probably going to see that, right, on some, on some, like, HBO card or something. Like, come on. By the way, like, you know, uh, footnote props to Tony Bellew in this whole affair because Bellew is at this point in his career where all he does is call out retired fighters who are probably coming <laughs> back. Like, he fights David Hay twice. He wants to fight tight. Like, he's like, he's, he, Deontay Wilder. Oh, that guy's too big. Tyson Fury. Yeah, I'll take him. Um, and then like Andre Ward, I could see us doing that. Like, get, like, I, it's what I almost, Bellew is just one of those guys where I, I've, ne- I've never really been a big fan, but I, but I appreciate, uh, the hustle that he is, that he is working here. You know, we're destined to see Andre Ward against Joe Smith Jr. on HBO, right? That's pretty much where this is headed, right? 
Speaking of the well, plaster of the local council, I mean, come on, you know, that's our, that's our, <laughs> that's the American version of that right there. Rafe, in other news that this is old news, but I'm just discovering it. That March 31st showtime, Anthony Joshua, Joseph Parker, unification heavyweight bout from Wales. You know what the co-main event there that is? Meldonium head Alexander Povetkin against seven foot five David Price. Are you kidding me? You got Povetkin risking his mandatory status against Joshua by going against the often knocked out former giant who I once claimed would undoubtedly become the next heavyweight king. What the heck was I smoking back then? Like are you kidding me? This this is such a circus comedy fight. You cannot hold a good Meldonium man down, Brian. He will always bounce back. No matter how many times he pops dirty, he's going to be back. Uh, and, um, Dude, the price I, I will be David wrong. Price here. Yeah, the price is going to be wrong, Biatch, because like, he's going to send him to the deepest, dark depths of hell. Like That's going to be bad. By the way, speaking of heavyweights, did you see Eddie Hearn held that press conference for that Danny Jacobs fight that no one cares about uh, coming up on HBO. And afterwards, he told the media he's likely bringing Anthony Joshua this summer for his U.S. debut to New York, and it will likely be against Jarrell Big Baby Miller. And the interesting thing about that is half the audience is going to get mad because that means we're probably not getting Joshua Wilder this calendar year, even though most of us didn't think we were anyway. But number two, what network's going to be that going to be on? Because Jarrell Miller has another HBO fight coming up. He's fought a couple times on HBO, and now. You got Showtime paying a lot to keep Joshua on their network and claiming loyalty. Are we going to, you know, this, this is going to, this is going to head off somewhere, right? It'll head off probably with that fight being on HBO. Oh, um, whoa, yeah, Hearn there. is working with them if it, uh, with his fights in the States. Um, I don't want, I mean, look, Showtime obviously is investing big time in boxing and, and that's great. I'm glad they are. Um, but it just seems if if you if I were handicapping it, I'd just say it's more likely to end up on HBO if that fight does come to the states. I saw I heard an interesting interview with uh, Stephen Espinoza of Showtime on the Chris Mannix pod, where he just really kept saying, "I hope Joshua realizes the loyalty that we got into the game like too early with him to show him that we cared." Like Showtime's really gone the extra mile, overpaying the last few times to outbid HBO. This is a big story if anyone that actually cares about, you know, the boxing business, the cable, the back behind the scenes stuff. This is a big story of where Joshua is headed. I mean, if I was him and Hearn, I just kind of, you know, whoever pays more, right? They they already getting the big time British money. So when it comes to US TV, hey, whoever's going to pay us more. If that ends up being Epics and we put Dan Rayfield on the call, whatever we got to do, right, Rafe? Yeah, well, yeah, that's 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 the ideal <laughs> situation. I mean, I don't know if uh, Epics has that kind of bag money to drop, but you know, I sure hope they do. You know, and, and uh, they have the right guys to to call that fight if it comes along. Um, but yeah, a- Anthony Josh, as as his nemesis uh, Deontay Wilder <laughs> likes to call him, um, Anthony, Anthony Josh, Anthony Josh, yes. Um, I hope that Eddie Hearn promotes him in a way that, you know, allows him to get the best, uh, the best money in each case, doesn't sort of use him as a bargaining chip and stick that fight on HBO because he has this other relationship for Danny Jacobs and whoever else he wants to, to, to help build this match from USA thing on HBO. Um, and I think obviously Anthony Joshua, he's the biggest, he's the Canelo of, 
of the UK. He's of he may world, be bro. bigger than Canelo in the world. The I mean, world. it's pretty close. They're they're close to head to head. Um, so he, he, I think Anthony Joshua knows that he can call his shots, and and I think that Eddie Hearn probably won't try and okie doke him in any ways. And Eddie Hearn don't care that you want Wilder Joshua, right? He's basically like if you don't care about Big Baby Miller against Joshua, you have a problem. Turn off your station. I mean, that's basically where he's at because he's going to be cashing them checks. But speaking of Deontay Wilder, it's guest of the week time, Rafe. We're going deep with the big guy. Enjoy. Very pleased to welcome WBC heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder. The champ is here ahead of Saturday, March 3rd against fellow unbeaten Luis Ortiz at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. That's a Showtime broadcast, 9 p.m. Eastern. Bomb squad indeed, Deontay. We think we're going to see it in this fight. It took a long time to get here, but I think boxing fans, media alike, we're happy that you went back to the well, that you really so badly wanted to prove yourself. How hard of a decision was that for you to, to go back and give Ortiz a second chance? Uh, it wasn't a hard decision at all. You know, uh, when he did what he did, when he did what he, he had done, you know, it, it really hurt me, you know, because here it is yet again another fighter disappointing me. Here it is yet again another fighter allow me not to prove myself to some of the, non, the, the, the non-believers. You know, I've been wanting to prove myself for a long time. I've been saying I'm the best in this in, in, in division. I'm the best of this ever. I've been saying America had a, have a badass and they go by the name of Deontay Wilder. I just haven't had the opportunity to prove it. Everybody always have ran around me, went other ways, have gotten on PEDs, and the situation happened with me the first time with Ortiz. But the second time, I said, hey, I'm not going to let this guy go. You know, I really want to fight him. You know, the thing, special thing about Ortiz, he, he has so many names people label him as. Although his Atlas name, he go by King Kong, but they also have called him one of the best in the division, if not the best. They've also called him the boogeyman as well, too. And I'm looking forward to erasing his name out of boxing, out of boxing history, so this, you know, come March the 3rd. Like I said, that's a hunger we want to see. We want to see you, you know, face a top-level guy seemingly as bad as you do. So it may not matter as much whether you believe Ortiz was clean, but curious, do you believe that he had the right intentions when he failed that test last fall? The right intentions? In terms of, he says it was just a, a you know, uh, blood pressure come on, medication. Man. Come that... on, come on, come on, man. Come on, we all know that once a, once anybody, I won't even just say a fighter, anybody that, that, that use banned substance, they're not supposed to use it in any sport, we all know that that is not their first time taking it. That's just the, that's just the time that they got caught. And unfortunately for, for, for Ortiz, I think this, you know, second or third time, he didn't got caught. True. So it's not new. You know, even when he got caught the first time, the second time, you're gonna, you, we, we already assumed that he's going to do it, and he did. The, the, the blood pressure pills, uh, it was a, it was a, a cover-up. It was a masking agent to what he really did. We don't know what he really did. You know, how many times these guys have done it? We don't know the, 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 the appropriate time of him actually doing it as many times either. We just understand the couple of few times that he's done it, you know. So with that being said, I still wanted to fight him. 
because they still allow him to come back in the in the, in, in the boxing industry, and somebody had to fight him. So if they allow him to come, especially the organization that I'm with, with the WBC, if they allow him to come back and fight, then, hey, it's a go for me. So all these people that was looking forward to the first fight, Ortiz did what he did, people was mad. They was enraged. A lot of people blamed me, and I didn't understand it. So I felt their frustration, their frustration, but I didn't understand why they was coming at me with it. So with that being said, I made it my business and said, you know what? I still want this guy. I'm still going to make this fight happen, and I did. It's not because uh, somebody made me do it. My team didn't even mention this guy's name. I brought Ortiz's name to the table. I said, I want him, and I'm going to beat his ass. That's all I had to say. My team was on it from that point on. I've got an amazing team. You know, I've got an amazing team, and we're all on the same page. We're looking to unify the division and once and for all be the baddest man on the planet. We're very adamant about it, and we're going to do whatever in our power to make that happen. I lo- again, I love that. That's so great to hear. And I'm just curious, like, this is almost unprecedented, Deontay. Three straight opponents failed drugs against you, failed drug tests. So it's like either we have a really bad problem in the heavyweight division or this is a trend because they are facing you. Uh, why is everybody popping when they're when they're signing the dotted Man. line to face Deontay Wilder? Man, we've, we've had this discussion many a times, and I say we um, – I'm talking about the people that loves me the most. I have a lot of great men around me. got a great family and my team. We always discuss this. You know, there's always a point where when guys fight me, it's always an excuse for people to already degrade, you know, my opposition. You know, uh, since I'm fighting Ortiz, I keep it with Ortiz because it has been statements made with Ortiz as well, too, about him being old and stuff like that. But all this stuff that come with these fighters, why is it, it why is it so so uh, uh, out to the public announced uh, people want to already downplay it when they finish fight? Me. Ortiz was not old his last fight. He wasn't old the last fight before that, you know, uh, when he fought Malik or when he fought the, uh, uh, the Allen kid or when he fought – uh, uh, Jennings, or uh, when he fought uh, 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 the other guys before that, he wasn't old. But since he's going to fight the baddest man on the planet, <laughs> the hard-handed fighter in the heavyweight division, all of a sudden, oh my, he's he needs blood pressure pills. All of a sudden, this man got old overnight. All these excuses because it's Deontay Wilder. People, some people just they they just can't admit. And, 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 and understand when they see greatness. See, I'm going to be a product of when it's closer to my end or when I retire, that's when people are going to say Deontay Wilder was the best heavyweight champion in the world, period. But I don't want them to do that. I don't want to be like the other champions. I don't want to be recognized and and, and, and and be, you know, have, have and people could be able to appreciate what I've done when it's at the end, I want them to do that now. I want them to shower me with love now. Understand what you are seeing. The old days is gone. This is the new generation. This is the new time. A lot of people already reflect on the old days, but half of them don't even know what the fuck went on in the old days. They always go off a of hearsay or what they said, what what been said or whatever. They don't they don't know. But they gotta appreciate the new newer 
the new era, and Deontay Wilder is amongst the new era. And, you know, we'll bring it to light. We ain't worried about what people saying because I love to prove people wrong, especially when you doubt me. I'm going to prove you wrong. 39 fights, 38 KOs. Every man that stepped in the ring with me, they laid on their back when their feet's up in the air. You know, so it'll be great that if somebody need to advertise, uh, uh, um, they need to sponsor my opponents because there's one thing for sure that they're going to get their money is when I, when I knock these clowns out and they feet you up in the air, they're going to get their advertising, whether it's on their back, whether it's on their stomach, whether they ass up, feet down, it don't matter. Deontay Wilder speak what he say because he's going to deliver, and that's what Americans do. That's what we do. We talk our talk, and we, and we deliver it. And with Deontay Wilder, I've done it all my career. I've talked it, and I've delivered it. How can they not love it? <laughs> Deontay, you're coming off that knockout of Bermain Stavern in the rematch. I voted it the knockout of the year for last year. And, and the reason why was because you were more scary than normal. You were more aggressive than normal. You were angrier than normal. Was this a one-off, right opponent, right time you were angry? Or is this uh, is this what we're going to see you like moving forward? It's not that you were ever not exciting. But I tell me if I'm wrong, Deontay, there seemed to be an extra level of anger and aggression in the way that you fought against Stavern the second time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anger. I, you know, I'm not mad at none of these guys. They disappoint me at times. They make me upset at times. But anger, you know, I don't, I don't come in the ring with no anger. You know, my mind is very clear. But what I can say in that fight, I was possessed. I was possessed. It was uh, at one point in time in the fight. I watched myself whooping on this man. I was standing on the outside of my body, watching, observing myself beat this man. Every movement that was not Deontay. That wasn't Deontay. That was the bronze bomber for sure. But he was at another level, you know. And it's crazy. Many people could tell you, like different athletes or whatever, they always would tell you what they what what they see. In, the, in, 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 in their event, it's different from what other people see. When I go into the ring, when I go into the ring, my view, my outlook of it, my, where I am is different from what people are observing outside of the ring. And it's a crazy feeling. It's a place where my mind goes, <laughs> and it's crazy. Sometimes it can get scary for me. You know, I have so much power that, I, I, you know, sometimes I get scared that I am going to hit a person so hard in the wrong spot, and that will be it because I possess so much power, and it's natural. It's nothing that I have to train for. It's nothing that I have to build on. It's something that's naturally there, and that's the scary part about it. What possesses you, know, you? So, in, in that moment when you are able to get to an even extra level of scary athletic power like you were in that round against Devern, what is what is possessing you to allow you to sort of get into that zone? Man, I guess it's just the the, the eager eagerness to win, the willingness to win. That you know, adamant about what I say. I'm a believer of my own hype. I believe in myself like none other. I believe in what I say like none other. I'm very into. I believe everything I say. I believe everything I say. I'm gonna do. And I'm gonna and I, and I shows that, and that what brings in it what brings you know that night when it's time for the fight that what brings out the bronze bomber because I believe it, 
I believe it. I speak it first. I believe it, and I receive it. And it's in those lines because our words are powerful. What we put out in the universe, what we say upon uh, amongst this earth, this magical place that we live in, it will manifest. But the thing about it, we have to have patience, and we have to have a, something called time. We all know that time don't wait for no man, but we have to obtain the, the, the passion of patience and knowing that it don't come what we want, but in that particular time, in the particular type of moment, it shall deliver itself. And when it comes, not only will I show up, but I'm going to show out and I'm going to show people what I've been talking about all this time, that I am the best. I do hit the hardest. I am I am the king of this division. I will unify this division. America have the most baddest man on the planet right here, and I'm willing to prove it All right, each t- and every time. Let me touch on that. You said baddest man on the planet, and, of course, people think Mike Tyson, and you had a little social media spat, I guess, with Lennox Lewis standing up for Tyson when you said, you know, if primes were compared, you would knock out Mike Tyson in your prime. What did you think of the reaction from Mike, who said you like to talk a lot, and from Lennox getting his back? I mean, you know, those guys are subject to their own opinion. You know, I, I can't, I don't get upset when guys want to come and clap back and say certain things. I don't get upset when Lewis, Lennox Lewis want to defend his, 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 one of his era um, brothers. You know what I mean? They was in the same era. You know, although Lennox fought Tyson way past his prime, I, I, don't, I don't find offense of that. You know, that don't bother me because, they can't tell you what I could do. Only I can tell you what I can do. We could never, it'll never be able to, to prove it. Just like now, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to Ortiz, and I'm going to show you what I told you I'm going to do to Ortiz, just like I said I was going to do to Bermaine, just like I said I was going to do to all the other ones that came before me, and I deliver. I never, I never lower myself to any fighter, any man, has to step in that ring with me because it ain't up to what you think of me. It ain't up to what the world think of me. It ain't up to what the ex-champions think of me. It's up to what I believe. It's up to what I believe. It's up to what I believe. And I will deliver in the ring. That's any man. I'll never say a man would knock me out or be like this. And the thing about it, Tyson Fury, you know, he did the opposite of me. He said, that uh, uh, Tyson would beat him. And then Tyson came out and said, man, you got to have confidence. You got to – what? I mean, didn't that what I just did? <laughs> but I got criticized, right? True. It don't make no sense. It don't make no sense. But it's because it's me. Because it's me, which is okay. This is okay. You know, because these past champions, really what they should be doing is motivating the up-and-coming guys. They don't have to motivate me because I'm self-motivated. <laughs> they don't have to give me no kind of convincing to do this because I'm self-convincing myself. You know, I don't need that. But these other guys that are coming or whatever, that's something that they should start a trend. Instead of hating on these guys that's coming to the top or worrying about their legacy being ran over or what they did in their era, that era is gone. This is the new era right here. That's what they should be. They should be praising their guys over here building their guys up over here, just like every other country is building their – every other champion, every other former champion is behind their people. In America, is different. Nobody want to see. Nobody become bigger than the one that, that came before us. Nobody legacy want to be passed. But I always say if you've done it right in your time, in your era, 
you done it right and you left the game at the right time in your era, you ain't got to worry about your, your legacy being passed or being stumped on because people will always remember what you've done. And if you stayed in the game too late and you still continue to do whatever, people going to remember the last thing you did. And that's going to be on your legacy. You know what I mean? That's going to be on the uh, – on the, uh, what people are going to look at you as, as your legacy and what you've done in your era. All right, let me so, ask you this, Deontay. This is powerful stuff. I want to – you're talking about eras here. You know, the two biggest eras in heavyweight history, 1970s, 1990s. Right now – a little bit of a heavyweight renaissance. We have names. We have aggressive, exciting guys. How do you compare this era, Wilder, Joshua, Fury, Parker, etc., with some of those other greatest eras? The only thing I say about the 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 the, 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 the past era is that they them guys was not afraid to fight each other. They fought each other, and that what made their era. That what made their era so unique. That's what made that era so great. That's what made that era still to be talked about to this day because those guys fought each other. No matter if it was two times, three times, they probably get in there a fourth time. They fought each other. Nowadays in this era, everybody want to keep their holes. Nobody want to fight. Everybody talking about, you know, want to make it a business. You know, although, yes. We have family. Yes, we need money. Yes, we risk our lives on the line. So we definitely want to get this money because if we die up in there, what are our kids going to have? What are they going to look forward to? So that's why the money part come in. But that's the difference. You know, everybody conducted as this business thing. Everybody want to be a businessman all of a sudden. Nobody want to lose. But they don't understand this is boxing. You lose. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you win. And if you lose, it's not over. If you if you feel and believe that you can come back off this, then you can come back. You can probably be even greater than it was. You can never be a second time champion, a third time, a fourth time. Although the heavyweight even is keeping in fact that the heavyweight division we don't go down in weight. We stay here in weight. So you can't be like a smaller weight to keep going up in different weight classes and be champions of this. We just have one era. We have one era. We have one the weight division. We don't go down. We stick right here. So why not risk it? Why, if you lose, so what? Pick yourself up. Dust yourself up. Go back in the training room. Go back in your laboratory. Whatever you want to call your gym. You get yourself together, and you come back out for the second time, and you build yourself back up. That's what it's all about. All right, Even yeah. the, the legends, our icons, have, have, the icons of boxing have lost before, and they came back and became great. That's how they became great. Oh, no doubt and nowadays, it. these guys are scared. Holyfield, Ali, every big name bounced back and, and, and opened up new chapters in their career. So I think some of what you're saying has to be directed toward Anthony Joshua. And if the two of you win in March, which could be like a de facto semifinals in some sort of heavyweight tournament here, the, the drums are going to be banged for you to face Joshua, of course. How do you personally stop this from becoming a Mayweather-Pacquiao situation where we have to wait a year, two, three, four, five years to see this fight? Well... You know, I've said so much. You know, I've been calling this guy out for almost two years now. Some people just getting in tune to this or what's going on. And some would say that, you know, I'm just now starting this or, I, you know, if he just want to fight him because he's desperate and stuff. No, 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 no. Go back and look. Like I tell people, go back and do this. When you talk about Deontay Wilder, go back and do your research about me from every opponent that I've called out to, to, to what, I've, what I've said I was going to do and I've done. With Joshua, I've been calling Joshua like almost two years, like I said, you know, and it's been the same thing. 
But it's coming. It's, it's boiling down to the point now that everything they wanted me to do, I'm checking off their list. Once I beat Luis Ortiz and the fashion I beat him in, it's going to be rough. I don't think I really have to do nothing but win. Once I beat Luis Ortiz, it's nowhere for them to run. It's nowhere for them to hide. They can, they can, they can continue to put up with this these excuses that they feed into their people on the other side of the pond, you know, and having them repeat the same shit that they talking about. But it's at this point in time, because once I go over there, I'm done with the talking people, you know, it, I feel that, and this is true. When it comes with me, it's like, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm talking about the fight, if I'm calling them out, people don't like it. I was some people, their people, they don't like it. But if I ain't saying nothing, people don't like that either. You scared? Why you ain't calling them out? And when I do call them out, or uh, why you call them out? You don't, you know, this is, you know, it's always something. People know. That's one thing for sure that people know. They know that Deontay Wilder wants this fight. Right. Now, where it come with Anthony Joshua and his people? They're uncertain. They're not for sure that he wants it because he don't. They're scared. They're nervous. They know that I am the eraser. I am the. <laughs> I'm the one that's gonna tear down their. London Bridge. I don't I'm think, the one. I don't think anybody can hear this interview and not be fired up for your fight. March 3rd, Brooklyn, New York, showtime, 9 p.m. Eastern against Luis Ortiz and fired up to see where this goes. If you are victorious, where the division goes. Deontay Wilder, I could talk to you for hours. I know you're a busy man. Thank you for the time. Best of luck. Uh, I assume it's going to be Bomb Squad. I assume that's what's going to happen at the Barclays Center. Oh, man. Oh, man. March the, March the 3rd, baby, the Barclays Center on showtime. You do not want to miss this one. This is one that you want to be there in person. Forget the TV. Forget the, the screaming. Forget all the networking and all that. This is something that you want to witness in person with your own eyes. And when you do get there, you better gather up all your, your, your food, your condiments, your beverages, your refreshment, anything you bring, you better stay glued to your seat because I'm a type of fighter that leaves you on the edge of your seat. You don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. And this is one you want to see because <laughs> Lewis Ortiz going down, baby. And from that point on, you're looking at the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. I'm coming for whoever has the other pretty girls, and I ain't playing around. I'm going to gather them all up, and it's going down. In my town, baby, America, here we come, baby. Bomb squad! There it is. Business just picked up. Deontay, thanks, man. <laughs> uh, no problem, man. Good luck. Whoa, Rafe. Deontay Wilder there. I almost said Anthony Josh. Uh, a lot of golden nuggets the Bomb Squad is bringing this week. A very wild and colorful interview. Holy cow. He's the eraser, you know. I mean, forget and get Arnold out of here. We got a new guy in town, you know. So uh, he he needs to he needs to work on the Schwarzenegger accent so that after he wins, if he man, if he knocks out Luis Ortiz this weekend, he goes, "You have been erased." Uh, it just it has to happen now. All right, a couple things I want to get to right away because he did drop a lot of nuggets on us. Look, I always thought that KO of Romain Stavern in their rematch last November, which was my personal knockout of the year. Again, I still think something was different about him. He fought so ridiculously aggressive and angry. And as he says, Rafe, he was possessed during that fight. Now, you heard in that interview, I tried to sort of follow up. I almost wanted to be like, you know, straight up, bro. Are you talking about like black magic here? Like what kind of, what kind of demonic possession are you talking about? Uh, do you 
believe that there was something different. I'm not saying, do you believe that Black Magic wasn't? I'm saying, do you? Did you get that same feeling I did? That he was almost maniacal. There was something different mentally going on in that fight. <laughs> Brian, no. The only thing I believe is that he fought Vermins to burn, and the guy was totally out of shape, coming off a huge. <laughs> Huge ass, uh, uh, layoff and just was not there to fight. Like, you know, and how dare you? If there, that was just, I, there's not, you, I can't take anything away from that performance. Yeah, he was hyped up, but you know, that's great about Joshua. He gets hyped up after pretty much every knockout. Like his knockout celebrations are, are pretty fabulous. Do you remember there's that gif has been going around recently after, after he finished the, the French fisherman, Johan Duopa. <laughs> uh, who will be back soon, yes. big baby? Watch out! Um, after he finished, after Wilder finished Duopa, he did that weird like strut around the ring, and he was doing like these like backwards pivots, basketball style at each corner, it was and like just like sweat. Like yeah. the whole thing is great. Uh, yeah, that that's. Uh, but look, I don't know. I still I still believe. Like I still want to. No, believe he was that. in like he really he 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 wanted to. Dr- he was dr- he just. Yeah, he was trying to drill Stavern and like Mercanti Jr. had to like, you know, put his like life on the line to, to pull him off of him and the, on the, on the ropes. There was something there, but also it's, it's, it's hard to take, to know what to take away from it because he wasn't fighting anything. Yeah. Well, I wasn't, I'm not saying that there was Scientology or the secret involved. I'm just saying something (laughs) was like, and if we could see him channel that more, look, it's, it's, he's, he'd finally become the attraction that maybe he should be, I just think. And speaking of the attraction and Comparing comparing him to Mike Tyson, man, he brought it in response to the to the criticism he's getting from Tyson and Lennox about. It's weird. He brought it about the criticism he's getting for his own criticism, where he said he would knock out Tyson in their primes and Lennox Lewis coming to the aid and basically, you know, him saying that these old guys need to support the new era and that no one in the new era can get ahead because the old guys don't want to give up their spot in history. That was sort of interesting where he basically called them both out for hanging on too long and saying that that has affected their, their legacy and that they're bitter about it. I don't know if I'd go that full distance where Deontay was going there. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because boxing, us, us boxing fans, we do have this sort of reverse psychology compared to a lot of other sports fans where, you know, you see in the NBA or in some other sports where, there's this people the, the fans embrace the newer the newer stars and say oh come on get out of here these old, these old guys really couldn't hang out on the court like Bob Cousy could only dribble with his right hand he's not he doesn't he would not survive in today's NBA um you know whereas boxing fans are like come on give me a break bro I mean these guys have nothing on Willie Pep nothing I saw him fight zero times um you know it's but like we but and that's i think that's cool about boxing that that there's that you know reverence for for history that that doesn't doesn't necessarily exist in every other sport but i don't know what i mean anthony joshua i think the reason he doesn't get as much credit as he feels as he as he feels he deserves is because he ha- he doesn't you're talking about wilder look, wilder you're talking about Sorry, yeah, I do mean uh, Deontay Wilder. Wilder doesn't get that credit because he hasn't looked like a great fighter yet. He's got great power and a great right hand, but he he looks sloppy. He got wobbled by a jab against that fat guy who I don't even remember his name. <laughs> Eric Molina. Um, what's that? Eric Molina. Come on, right? No way. Before him, oh, there the was other a, there was fat a, guy, a, a South African guy. <laughs> the other guy. fat guy you're talking about. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That's well, it. One of the many fat guys. Um, and, 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 uh, you know, Gerald Washington, he's getting outboxed for four rounds before he, before he wins that fight. You know, he's got that equalizer. He deserves, you know, to be one of the, considered one of the best in this era right now. But this weekend and, and from now on, I think is when we're really going to see how good this guy is, you know, is he good enough to, to beat 
real, real heavyweight contenders, guys who, you know, can take a punch and give one and know how to box. I don't think he's fought many guys like that. And it's not his fault because, you know, you talked about this. He's signed up to fight Povetkin. He signed up to fight Ortiz once before. Those are the guys who we should already have this answer. And it's not his fault that these guys, you know, tested positive for various banned substances True. before they got in the ring with Wilder. And we'd like to find this answer out before he goes 50-0, and by the way. And I think the the uh, the Euro you were mentoring, was that uh, Nikolai Fer- Fertha? Was that the guy you were talking about? Yes, yeah, that's the guy. Nikolai Fertha. Well, I forgot that fight ever happened. Uh, you know, Wilder also said he thinks 100% Luis Ortiz is a PED cheater. That'll bring us into this weekend's preview, which starts with Wilder against Luis Ortiz. That's Brooklyn, the Barclays, 9 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Rafe, uh, you know, our, our friend in the business, Corey Erdman, just put out a story that says this is the biggest U.S.-based heavyweight title fight since Luis Klitschko. And I you don't think you can argue that, right? That really, that, that might be the best case. Because say what you will about the Meldonium involved in this or, or whatever tarp medicine or whatever you want to talk about. On paper, this is still one hell of a matchup no matter how old Luis Ortiz is. It's going to give us those answers that we want. And I don't know if I'm just drunk on how good of a quote Wilder is, but if you would have asked me the last year, gun to my head, Wilder Joshua, who wins, I still would lean to Joshua, who's more of a complete boxer, isn't, despite his own chin stamina issues, isn't in as many of those awkward moments as Wilder, where he's just like deer in headlights, hands down, you know, backpedaling straight back, like in position to get knocked out by anybody who's not a French fisherman. Like, but I don't know if it's just... The, the first round possession against Stavern or his craziness in these interviews or just the fact that he does have the biggest weapon in the division. And I know this has almost nothing to do with Luis Ortiz, <laughs> I'm but I'm almost starting to get drunk on the idea that Wilder is going to end up taking Joshua's soul. And that's an exciting place to be right now. Come on, right? Brian, check the weigh-in photos. UK heavyweight David Price, David Allen, David Allen definitely has the biggest weapon in the division. <laughs> But, but, um, as for, as for, yeah, his yeah, charisma wow. is really something else. And his, and the way he speaks and like, even when he's saying stuff that kind of has me rolling his eyes, I'm, I'm enjoying it so much. I'm, I'm just kind of buying it. You know, when he's saying like, you know, when he's like, when he's telling you, you know, I told, I told you, now I'm going to show you, you know, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm remembering old like DMX songs. It's like, believe what I say, what I tell you, you know, it's like, he really, he, he has that. Um, and it does inspire some confidence. I'm not ready to say I'm favoring him over a p- potential Anthony Joshua fight, but, it I'm has in the gray somehow, area. for some reason, this Luis Ortiz fight, like, if you had asked me a year, when this fight was first supposed to happen last year, I'd be like, just get out of here. Give me a break. This, like, Ortiz is a real fighter. He, he's, he's, you know, we've seen him use different tools. Like, he has a jab. He's got a great left. He can move. He gets on his toes when he needs to. Um, and I would say that Ortiz is going to expose Wilder. Now, for, for whatever reason, maybe it's all the, 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 rigmarole about the the PDs and and just the bad the way that Luis Ortiz looked against um Malik Scott god that fight was rough um for whatever reason Wilder just feels that this feels 50-50 maybe even fa- favoring Wilder even though I don't know why uh, yeah, I know it's I mean here's the thing like first Rossi is you don't really need to be polished in the heavyweight division unless you're going against somebody like a Klitschko right like like you really his athleticism and raw power um, and 
can make a fight crazy, and it almost helps him. Like, obviously, look, he still has to beat Ortiz before we can even entertain him knocking out Joshua. So I sort of jumped the gun right there. But I'm just saying I'm starting to believe in Wilder in ways that I used to laugh it off, in ways in where I would always bring up the negatives with Wilder. Where now I'm wondering if his negatives are almost in some weird way his positives, right? He's so kind of reckless out there, and no one is as athletic as this guy. I mean, the way that he ran in on Stavern, again, I know it's Fat Stavern, but the way he ran in and did that juke move, like he hit L1 on the controller and Madden and sort of did that like shake him move and then hit him with the three punch combo. Like I know that's not a a move you're probably going to do against a, a top guy, but it, that those are kind of freak stuff that no one else can do here. Look, if he beats Ortiz, he will make a giant statement. But he's really dangerous for anybody. And maybe I was underrating that danger because he wasn't the complete heavyweight that I wished he was. Now I'm like, screw that. Just be wild, quasi-Tyson, you know, wilder, right? You don't have the same defense in, in, in you know, an upbringing in, in, you know, really class that Tyson had. But this is a different era of heavyweight. Like everyone on every radio show I'm on, you can't compare this to the 70s and 90s. No, you can't. But this is exciting because these are guys that are willing to fight each other. This is all we have right now. And I'm not convinced Wilder isn't the class of this, and he's going to have a chance to really prove that. Because I don't think there is a true class of this. Every single one of them is flawed. The only one that seems complete was Ortiz, who might be 45 and might be on PEDs every other fight. So this is going to be really interesting. With all that aside, in the actual X's and O's, how does Wilder win this fight? The actual X's and O's, how yeah. he wins the fight is he, he, he has, you know, he, he lands his right hand. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's that's, it. That's, I mean, the jab's going to be key, right? The jab's going to be a big part of it. He's got to use it as a weapon. He can't put himself in bad spots, but it's, there is that sort of dramatic. I'm going to be ringside. I'm really excited about it. The first time Ortiz touches that chin, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Cause let's, you know, Ortiz really brings the power, whether it's infused or not by the performance enhancing audio. Look, you know, blood pressure medicine last time I checked, Brian, you know, and, and in fact, in fact, I, you know, the great Victor Conti, uh, Balco, you know, uh, Balco, uh, you know, Balco pleading guilty convict, uh, has, has vouched for, uh, Luis Ortiz's cleanliness in this, in this affair. So, I mean, what more can you ask for? Seriously, seriously. You know, if you're, uh, one of these guys though, probably will find out the hard way, right? I mean, this is the type of fight where you don't expect it to go to the, the to a decision. I think Ortiz would have to really come out there and be old, right, for this to end up being a decision, unless they're both going to somehow get to a point where they get hit early and then they get gun-shy the rest of the way. I feel like this, what adds to the excitement level is somebody's going to end the fight on their back and we're going to have a guy who we may end up saying, this guy could be better than Joshua. Like, let's find out. Like, this is, you know, and then we'll start that build to get there. For boxing, it needs to be wilder for, like, money entertainment purposes for the health of the sport purpose but if it's ortiz it's still interesting still a very very interesting future yeah i mean that i i I hope it plays out that way but you know sometimes when you get guys who both know that the other guy can knock them out these are you know at the heavyweight level they they, they, everyone gets gun shy real quick i mean it's like let's be a let's let's not be too uh reckless or aggressive that that kind of that can set in i could see this taking a a bit longer Hopefully not too long, but taking a while to, to heat up as these guys feel each other out and, and who's really going to be the first to put himself out there and, 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 you know, try to land a big shot. I mean, will we see a few rounds of, of kind of, you know, circling each other and jabbing and, and just feeling it out? I think that, you know, 
six months ago, a year ago, I was more inclined to tell you Luis Ortiz is the most complete heavyweight in the division. He is the most dangerous heavyweight overall in the division. He's probably the best. But all of those things are adding up, Rafe, where I have more doubt than I ever did. I mean, if he was dirty coming in the first time and now they're going to find a way to make sure he's not dirty, is he going to come out there and look pedestrian? And if he does, then maybe that version of him against Brian Jennings is just a mirage. Maybe that's not the real guy. And, you know, subsequently I found out by researching that Jennings says his problem was he had the wrong game plan. His camp told him to attack Ortiz and crowd him. And as you saw what happened with those uppercuts, he sent him to hell. This is, I, I just don't know if he really is that guy. And if he's not that guy, Rafe, inevitably my prediction right here, Wilder's going to win this fight by exciting knockout. And he may get wobbled and take some damage to get there. But I can see a scenario where Wilder actually gets knocked down and then gets back up and finishes it off. Look, I, I, I like that could definitely happen. And I've been leaning more in that direction, uh, just as, as the last year has gone on for whatever, you know, you, there are these reasons to doubt what we're going to get in the ring from Luis Ortiz, but the guy is a real boxer. You know, he, 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 he knows how to fight. He has different weapons. He has a good jab. He can move. He can do things that we don't think Wilder has ever seen in a ring before. Um, and even though I don't believe in him, like I thought I might have a year ago, you know, why am I going to go against like the, the, what my brain tells me, right? I think Ortiz is going to win this fight. I think he's shown it from what we've seen that he can be a better boxer than Deontay Wilder. And Wilder has never really shown that you know, he, we, we, it's, it's impossible to know what we're going to see from Wilder because he's never been in against another guy who's even close to, to his level. So this is, this is the, you know, it's nut cutting time and, and I'm going with Luis Ortiz. I think actually by decision. Um, I think he's going to be, you know, sort of may, he's gonna, he's gonna take it easy and not, not go too hard, but just, you know, outpoint him. Problem with that though, and let's be really honest about boxing is what kind of leverage conspiratorially behind the scenes would Ortiz probably have in getting the benefit of the doubt from the judges? And I know when you make a statement at that, you're basically implying that boxing is completely rigged and they're always going to favor the money fighter. But it happens too often to ignore that it's at least in the in the cards here. If Ortiz then, in in theory, would have to really outclass him, right? Would have to really add a couple knockdowns and outclass him and build such a cushion on the scorecard that there would be no doubt. It's hard to believe that he could get a clean, you know, couple-point decision. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that he could just outclass him. Like if, if there, there, we could walk into this and see a, a genuinely big class difference between these two fighters. Uh, in which case, you know, we've seen it before, like whether it's, uh, Rigondo and Nonito Donaire, like, like if, if you, if it is so obvious, you, the judges really can't, I mean, there are, there have been robberies, like a robbery is never off the table, but it can be, you know, it's just so plain to see that there's no way to give rounds to a guy. Imagine if Wilder, though, does come out in a more Tyson-esque Stavern rematch style. And again, it's not like he's never been unexciting, but he's been a little bit more cautious, worked that jab, try to set you up. What if he came out Tyson-like and just said, you know what? I don't want this to go to the cards. I don't want to take a chance of losing a decision and I'll get out class. I want to find out right now if my athleticism is so much better than Luis Ortiz's that I'm just going to find his chin before he finds mine and I'm going to land the boom and I'm going to hurt him and I'm going to try to end this fight. Maybe we get an early knockout if that's the case, Rafe. That'd be awesome. I don't know how it would end up. One of the, I think it would end with one of those guys getting knocked out, but it could just as easily be Wilder. 
Very interesting. That's why we watch. I'm predicting a Wilder mid-round knockout. You are predicting an Ortiz decision. The original co-main of Jamal Charlo against Hugo Centeno Jr. for a vacant middleweight belt has been rescheduled to the April 21st Adrian Broner card after Hugo's rib injury, Rafe. We do have the co-main of a rematch, a very controversial rematch, of course, between Andre Durrell and Jose Uzcategui. For Darrell's IBF interim super middleweight title, Rafe, you will certainly remember what happened last time. If we can play the sound here. Oh, wow. Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness gracious. My gosh. That's inappropriate to say. The That's least. assault, you guys. That's assault, brother. Uh, the problem with this, Rafe, is... We didn't really like this fight coming in the first time. The only reason why it's memorable is because of Uncle Darrell coming in the ring and putting the two-piece on Uzkatagi and, you know, sort of some low blows. So unless you're going to get chaos, there's not a lot to like about the rematch. I still think on paper, as long as Darrell is, can stay closer to prime than Wash, he can win a decision here. Yes, that is all true. No one cares. Moving on, Rafe, we have a competitive, competing, excuse me, HBO card from MSG in New York. Same city, same night, Sergey Kovalev, Igor Mikhalkin for Kovalev's WBO light heavyweight title. Look, Igor, not really moving me. I don't even think I've seen him fight before, to be super honest with you, Rafe. You are a respecter of not only European fighters, but people anywhere close to cruiser level. This is one pound below. Can you tell us, can you enlighten us anything on Igor Mikhalkin? Well, I also have never watched this guy fight, but I can tell you that he got his last win before earning this shot was over the one and only legendary Dudu Nagumbu. Oh, good Lord, Dudu. So this has the feeling, and I'm not going to underrate what McCalkin could bring to the table, but this certainly has the feeling like it's a, he's a 32 year old from Russia. He only has one loss, just nine KOs though, and 21 wins. Beat Thomas Ustenhausen. Doesn't have a lot of big names, obviously, after that. Rafe, what are we setting Kovalev up for, though? If this is a second straight sort of showcasey opportunity for Kovalev, who bounced back his last time out from the ward loss to win that vacant title against Shabransky, where are we going with Kovalev? Are we setting him up to fight the winner in theory of a very good co-main event on this HBO card of Dimitri Bival and Sullivan Barreda? Well, at this point, I would say yes, right? Because Barrera has been – well, you can, now you got me rolling my R's when I say Barrera, trying to keep up with you. Um, Barrera has, has, has been up for the Kovalev fight for a couple times, and for various business reasons, it hasn't come together. Um, and so it would make sense that the winner would, would move on to fight Kovalev, and then things don't always work out that way. But that seems like a fair – that seems like as good a guess in this circumstance as, as any. And I don't blame Kovalev too much for the light touch in this one because it seemed like, you know, he wanted he, – he was ready to fight Barrera. Um, and main events promotes both of them. Apparently, you know, if the money wasn't right for for Barrera to fight Kovalev in this case, and he thinks Bivol is a better choice, good luck to him. You know, I mean, that would be a huge statement. And 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 also, you know, Bivol is a little untested, even though he's looked like one of these destroyer types. So that's the fight. That's really the fight we're all looking forward to on this one. Mikalkin, it's basically we've seen Kovalev against these guys. It's Blake Caparello. It's Najib Mohamedi. It's oh my guy uh, Cedric Agnew know. with his parents yeah. dressed for their Sunday best at ringside. Yes, of course. You know, I mean, uh, we know what Kovalev does to these guys, so we can sort. Of, it's Shabransky again. Uh, we we basically can expect a quick 
uh, pretty violent knockout. Um, and you know, that's all, it's not, we don't, that's pretty fun. I mean, there was once upon a time we loved it when Sergey Sergei oh, Kovalev did that. For sure. And let's not forget those days. Now that, that, uh, Coleman that I mentioned, it is good. I mean, Barrera, it's like when he lost to Andre Ward, we sort of like, oh, this guy's not for real, but he's rebounded nicely, put together four straight wins. He looks like he could be a player in this division. We don't have a lot of time left, but really quickly here. You've been a big Bivol fan, and I've been a little bit slow to get to sort of get on board like we did with Kovalev and Golovkin very early. Is Bivol going to win this fight? Is he for real? Is he the guy that they're going to prop up next against Kovalev and try to find out who's next in this division? Should I be a believer in Dmitry Bivol? I, look, I don't know for sure because we haven't really seen him fight anybody who who would inspire like real confidence, you know. By by like he doesn't have a win that says okay, this guy is for real. He did. You just have he did this... send Agnew to hell, by the way. He's twelve and zero at this point with ten KOs. He did send Cedric Agnew to the deep dark. Depths. Well, in that case, you know, he put him on the top ten pound for pound list. Um, you know, he's uh, I so look, I I I wouldn't, I don't want to oversell anything, but. Dude, I I am way more excited about some, you know, another one of these these, you know, former Soviet, you know, uh destroyers coming in knocking everybody out than the sort of um light version of of excellent Cuban boxing we get with Sullivan Barrera. Uh he's he has not a very exciting fighter. He's a very good fighter, uh but uh, for me, you know, it's it's a little bit of a risk, but yeah, I'd, I'll take Bivol over him by knockout because he's looked good so far, and and now is the time to prove it. Absolutely, Rafe. We also will see in Sheffield, England, not on American TV, but Kell Brook makes his comeback from multiple eye injuries against Sergey Rabchenko in a junior middleweight bout. This should set the stage for Kell's future. Rabchenko's got two defeats. He's 32 from Belarus. Lost his split decision. Anthony Mundine was sent to hell by TKO against Tony Harrison. I'm expecting a Brook victory here, but I'm interested to actually see a, get a get a handle a stream of this, if you will, and see where Brook is at because he's still a very name player at. 47 and 54, whether it's Amir Khan, whoever we end up seeing him again, he's still legit. He's still believable as, as, a, as a true player to me. Yeah, we're watching to see if Kell Brook looks good still. Does he still look like a, a contender at either 154, 147, wherever the heck he wants Canelo Wade if he wants to fight Amir Khan there sometime in the, in the near future? Um, if he looks good, if he looks like, you know, the guy who started his fights against Gennady Golovkin and Errol Spence and lost them. But if he looks like he still has those skills, that speed, that power, there's no reason he shouldn't be, uh, a, a, you know, considered a good fighter at, at, at going forward from here. Rafe, one more fight, and we got to really go underwater to appreciate this. Oh, yeah, swimming that. Swim in the deep end of washness from Puerto Rico. The greatest wash fighter today, Juan Ma Lopez, taking on fellow Puerto Rican Jason Velez, uh, the former, you know, prospect, look a lot like Sergio Martinez. We've seen him in some fun fights in a 12 round junior lightweight bout. Holy crap. Look, it's so much fun to watch, watch washed Juan Ma. Is there any reason though that we should believe he can actually beat Jason Velez? I'm looking forward to this. What do you got for me? Yeah, of course there. I mean, look, he is beating, Juanma has, is on a nice little run of beating Jason Velez level of kind of guys. You know, I mean, that, that Wilfredo Vasquez Jr. 
fight that he won? You know, what, why, why shouldn't it end this way? Juan Ma still has the, still has power, a lot of power. Um, and Velez never really that much of a puncher. So, and I think Velez has slowed down, right? And he's the guy who lost to Ronnie Rios a year or two he ago. He lost four right? in a row. Like, he's only 29, but Velez fell he's off washed. hard. Look, and by the, you know, I love some of the absurd things that show up on boxing scene just because everything, the boxing scene is just a fire hose of all things boxing. <laughs> you get the weirdest stuff in the world. The, they have been posting the pre, the early weigh in, like the 30 day, 10 day weigh in photos from it. These guys look so sad and washed. It is going to be just a, a masterpiece. And, and, you know, Juan Mike excels in this, in this kind of atmosphere. He's been washed for five <laughs> years, so he knows how to win washed fights. Uh, I don't think Jason, Jason Velez is 0 4 in his washed career. So uh, yeah. I'm going with Juan Mike. Velez never been stopped though. Those were four decision losses. He's bounced back with two sort of, uh, Un, unflashy comeback victories. Um, look, we're not supposed to Ryan, cheer. Ryan, I got one question. Yeah. Who do you, in the, the, at, at, that, so that's the co-main of that one. Who do you pick in Juanma versus the trainers of oh, Jason yeah. Velez, the real main event? Well, I was going to say, are we going to see Juanma go after the trainer? Is, if he loses the decision, <laughs> is he going to call out the referee for gambling? Like the potential for comedy is so much. I mean, look, look, it's, it's not a, look, Wanma's been washed for so long that I remember personally being ringside when, who sent him to hell that time? Was that, Quayar? was that 2014 when Quayar, with Jesus Quayar, yes. and I was sitting in the front row at the Hard Rock in Vegas at the joint when you can sit so close. Media row is basically on the ring and Wanma's raps got cut off after he was sent to the darkness of hell and they, they were bloody and they fell to the foot of me and I almost, took home a gross Juan Ma souvenir from his last fight. If only it was not his last fight, right? And he's back for more. Uh, you can't kill this guy. You know, you can't end him, all right? And he maybe he'll turn off the lights. And, I mean, if he can build this to a Gamboa fight, win or lose, come on. I'm on fire. I'm washed up. That's your weekend, Rafe. No need to make a prediction on this. Loaded show. Many thanks to Deontay Wilder for joining us. Fun fights this weekend. Enjoy it. Rafe, people should get out there and subscribe to Respect Box, the weekly newsletter for the Foley Minute, for the jokes, for the info, for much more. They should buy that great book that I'm looking at on my shelf right here, right? Uh, what do they call that again? It's called Two and Two, McSorley's My Dad and Me. Uh, co-written by Mark Kriegel. Just kidding. Come on. Just kidding. Just kidding. A great father-son It would have been – it would have gotten into some – he would have gotten into some deeper levels of uh, father-son uh, drama if, if that had been the case. Absolutely. And uh, with that said, we get out of here with two words for you folks. We out. We out.